Hello. Well, hello there. Can you uh can you hear the magic fish box in the background? How how annoying is that going to be on the uh record? I don't know. Let's let's do some audio where we're continually talking and see if we can actually hear it in the background. Yeah, see if we can hear it. I I'm really curious. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympians series, chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the Lightning Thief, the movie. Bum, bum, bum. I am Mrs. Dodds, without her black leather jacket. It's a little chilly. Also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm the lightning thief. I'm the lightning thief. <laughs> also, also known as Chris. Oh, I thought you were also known as Luke, also known as Chris. I'm the lightning thief. <laughs> Hi, Kristen. Hi. So, we took a little extra time off. Um, normally, we announce when we're taking a little break between books or things like that, but... Yeah. Some unexpected things uh, came up. If you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen me posting some stuff about a fundraiser uh, for a friend of mine who was in a um, pretty bad motorcycle accident. And that plus life in general and working towards doing fundraising for him and things like that. Just kind of this uh, this fell off the priority list for a little bit. So we took our we took our break a little unannounced. And also, in order to uh, help us get back into this, we are going to go ahead and talk about the movie, uh, rather than doing a full book review at this time. That'll be coming. It'll be coming up. We we will get to it, unlike the <laughs> full book review of Book 7 of the Chronicles of Narnia, which is still uh, slated to I come thought, out. I thought we did the full book review. I thought we just didn't do the full series review. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think. We have to go back into the annals. I'm sure somebody will correct us. Um <laughs> about what we have and haven't done. Uh, that'll come out in 2029. <laughs> uh, so Look forward to that. So we have our book wrap-up uh, for the book, which should be coming up, but today we are discussing the movie, which we watched two nights ago for the first time. Yes. And um, it was, well, in a word, painful. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was also going to, uh, before we get started, I was going to address that we now have a noisy box of water in the recording studio. Oh, yes. So uh, if you hear an extra droning noise in the background, uh, that is what that is. Yes. that We should be we should be able to filter most of that out since it is going to be a, a consistent ambient sound. Um, but if you do notice a little extra fan whirling sound in the background. That is the pump in the new aquarium. We're excited about that. Very excited. So. So. Has nothing in it yet, but eventually. Yep. There'll be some friends in here with us. Yay. Uh, we'll have to get their opinions uh, eventually. Put a mic inside the tank. That's a thing we can do, right? Yes, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so let's talk about the... <laughs> So this is going to be an unconventional episode because we're not discussing a chapter. We're not doing rewrites. We're just uh, going to talk about this. Uh, let's let's say the objectively bad movie that it is. 
Because even if you're a person who has not read uh, the book or any of the book, you could watch this in a vacuum and it's still a terrible film. Especially, I, I, I am impressed with how bad the dialogue was Yeah, for a film with such an incredible supporting cast. Yeah. Like, there's some big names in this film. Yep. And... That's where all the money went. Like... I'm shocked Uma Thurman agreed to be in that. <laughs> really. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's not like she hasn't been in bad movies before, but also... Uh, yeah, all right. Well, we'll, we'll yeah, talk about Uma her. Uma Thurman, Rosario Dawson, uh-huh. like... We, we, we had Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan was in that, we, yeah. Just, uh, Sean Bean... So I have some uh, notes that I took. Like I don't want to necessarily do our traditional bullet point summary of oh, the yeah, film because no, no. because by and large, and I think we'll talk about the moments where it deviates. But uh, the movie basically follows the plot of the book, mostly. Yeah, I mean, there's a few. So what I want to do, I like. I mean, we are going to get into a lot of times when it just needlessly changed things. Yeah. And I want to make sure that we call those out for, for what they are as far as those particular criticisms go. Yes. But uh, there are plot points that were changed and taken away that did dramatically affect the overall story. Yes, several of them. Which I, I also want to point those out separately. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, like what what format do you want this to take? Because we haven't done a movie review uh, not in a while. I, I think we did one of the first Narnia movie, did we not? Did we? Yeah, we did. Remember. We did that with April Lynn. Okay. So we, we, we have precedent for this. Okay. Uh, so I just have a few things. I think as we, as we can kind of go through it in a rough chronological order, and as we think about things that happened in the movie, we can bring them up and go until we run out of stuff to talk about. Okay. Uh, so my first real note on this is everybody in the movie is way too cool. Oh, yes. You said that out loud, like, at the end of the very first scene, which introduces Poseidon walking down the street, and then he has a discussion with Zeus at the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. And you're like, everyone's way too cool. Yeah. And I was just like, yes. And that just became the recurring, like, comment that we made. Every time a new character was introduced, we were just like, yeah, they're way too cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's way too cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, just over and over again. Everybody was just way too cool. Yeah. It has, I mean, it has the traditional awkward Hollywood thing of we're going to get uh, people in their mid-twenties to play teenagers. Because, like, yeah. in the in the book, the three main characters, well, Percy and Annabeth are both, like, 12 to 14-ish. Uh, Grover's technically, like, 35, but he's also the yeah. equivalent of being, like, a 14-year-old. Yeah. So they're they're young teenagers, if that. Uh, in the movie, they all look like high school seniors. I think they're supposed to be. Yeah, well, uh, and and they're specifically mentioned that they're in high school as opposed to being in like sixth grade or seventh grade or whatever is portrayed in the book. Yeah, and yeah, I, and then it is one hundred percent the Hollywood thing being like, here's here's a twenty four year old playing a seventeen year old. Uh, yes, yeah, so I actually looked this up. So we actually got kind of close with the actor who played Percy. Uh, who at the time of filming was 18. Okay. Uh, but the actress who played Annabeth was 24. Mm-hmm. And the uh, guy who played Grover was 26. Yeah. And when he, as soon as he appeared on the screen as Grover, I was just like, the dude playing him has got to be at least 25. Yeah. I was off by a year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's got that awkward thing of like, these people look way too old uh, for the characters they are. Uh, but they're too cool. 
Yeah, they're all way too cool. Like, regardless of the age, like, they're all presented as way too cool, smooth, like, yeah. And I think in doing so, they basically erased all of the character identity that the three main characters had. They erased a lot of it, yeah. Because, like, in the books, like, you know, doing a little comparison and contrast here, in the books, uh, I mean, describe Percy. Percy is, he's impertinent. He, he is self-described as impertinent. He's impertinent. He's headstrong. He's stubborn. He's, uh... Don't tell me to describe him if you're okay. then going to okay. go sorry, ahead sorry, and sorry. describe him yeah. and not let me talk. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> describe Percy. Impertinent. <laughs> he's, he's stubborn. He's headstrong. Yeah. Uh, headstrong, I'll take you on. Yes. Um... He is bullied. Yeah. Like, he's he's got a bully that comes after him. He gets angry. He has control issues. He is frustratable. He is ADHD and dyslexic in a way that, like, really does cause him to be the kind of, like, butt of the joke in classes when he can't answer questions. Yes. And... He is very much presented as just, like, really cool. Now, part of that, they they do dramatically reduce the beginning part of the book, which I makes sense for a film. Yeah. But the baseline of the character's introduction it doesn't, like, this is a hero's journey story. Yeah. And we don't introduce Percy as somebody who, like, needs to grow. Yes through this story or has has like major places where he can grow and then does grow through the story. Yes. In this presentation of Percy, he does everything that we would expect him to do and yes. nothing is changed and nothing is different and nothing is like surprising. Yeah. And shows dramatic growth in his character. His he doesn't have an arc. Uh-huh. In the way that he does in the book. Yes. And I think that taking away some of that, like, awkwardness of his character undermines that. Yeah. Uh, the movie also completely erased the two characters in the book that p- bullied Percy. Yes. They're completely gone. So in the beginning, uh, Nancy Boba Fett, as we've talked about before. Yes. Not a thing. Percy isn't bullied in school, as far as we can see, whatsoever. Other than Mrs. Dodds. Yeah. And then Clarice. Yep. Major, major change to the film. Clarice just doesn't exist. Isn't yeah. a thing. They even completely changed the whole initial fight scene when they play, play Capture the Flag. It's not between Percy and Clarice. It's between Percy and Annabeth. Yeah. Which makes zero sense, but, you know. Yeah. 100%. <sighs> yes. Um, so. And I get I get them not wanting to focus on an additional character that it ultimately isn't plot relevant. Yeah. Like, if you talk about characters that don't actually affect the plot in any way. Yes. The only thing that either of those characters represents in the plot is Percy discovering his powers. Yeah. And they they do that differently throughout the story. Yeah. I mean, it does change him as a character because, like, we don't see him, like, being the underdog at all. Yeah. Like, we don't see him being bullied or, like, beaten down or any of that stuff, except by uh, Gabe, the stepdad. Yeah. Like, they they basically kept Gabe's character the same. Yeah. They didn't change that. Uh, they also, really early on, removed a, a pivotal scene that I thought was important in the book, which was Percy killing Mrs. Dodds with the sword. Yeah. It's like, they completely changed all that, and I think 
That was a weird choice. It was a very weird choice because they have her pull him aside. She goes full fury mode on him, and yeah. she, and they take the scene from the bus uh-huh. where the furies show up and are demanding, "Where is it?" Mm-hmm. They take that scene and mash it up with this, which again I get, but they don't have Percy involved in this. He is just running around trying to survive, getting thrown around and beat up by this fury. And then in comes Grover and Mr. Brummer. Brunner. Yeah. In comes Percy and Brunner just being like, all right. And, and, and Brunner just like yells at the Fury to get away. Like there's no sword brought out. There's like, he's just like, go away or I'll destroy you. Yeah. And that's super weird. <sighs> yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, the way that they present that is a lot, and it does really change Percy's Percy's journey towards accepting all of this. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it doesn't show Percy sitting in that, like, what do you mean, like, how can this be real kind of thing. Yeah. He never sits with the doubt, like, about, like, how is this happening? What is this? What's going on? Yeah. It's just... Okay, that's weird. I guess this is where I am now and what I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like to play this little game. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about more of the characters, but I mean, Percy is obviously the titular character. Uh, so we're going to focus most of this on him. Uh, I'd like to play the game that we all learned via the uh, Red Letter Media reviews of the Star Wars prequels mm-hmm. of uh, talking about a character and having uh, you describe them without referring to what they're wearing or what they look like. Uh, So in the film, describe Percy Jackson. In the film, Percy is a young man who is defensive of his mother. Uh, Doesn't express much emotion. Mm -hmm. Um... Has magical water powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a struggle, isn't it? This film person basically doesn't have a personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got a crush on a girl. Yeah. Uh, thinking about this later, in retrospect... I really want to draw a parallel between him. And I don't, I don't know if you've seen these movies. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have. Uh, but Bella and Twilight. Mm-hmm. Just being like this like most boring, average Mary Sue character that doesn't have any real personality traits other than like has a love interest. Yeah. Um, and that's very much who Percy is in this movie. Yeah. Like, just doesn't have a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's parent, parental trauma and that's it. Yeah. It's like, that's... Um, you can bring whatever you want to this character. Yeah. I mean, while we're breaking characters down, so let's let's uh, put Percy aside for a second. Uh, let's talk about Annabeth. Yes. <laughs> you, want me, you want me to describe Annabeth in the film? Uh, yeah. Uh, she's pretty. She is the attractive love interest. Got her hair color wrong. Well, uh, <laughs> physical descriptions are always going to be off a little bit. Yeah. Um, from film to book, like, that's always going to be a thing. Yeah. Annabeth 
is smart and stupid. <laughs> like, why is she going on this quest? Yeah. She's, she, she seems like someone with wanderlust and just wanting to be involved. Yes, which is very different than her uh, motivations motivation. in the book. In yeah. The book, yeah. But, like, her motivations in the film uh, just kind of don't really track. Yeah. Because she just doesn't have any, so, like... <laughs> yep. She's just there. She's just kind of there. As a character in the film, independent of the book, the uh, way that she's presented in the film, she is a pretty face, she is a strong fighter who also doesn't yeah yeah which is a you know a a weird choice to make if they're going to completely ruin her character anyway like because in the book she really doesn't do any kind of fighting like i think there's a couple of times that she's like involved in combat but like you know is much more of a planner and a thinker and a strategist than yeah. She's like, the brains. She's the we're gonna take a, to- a a chew toy with us to play with Cerberus. Yeah, because you know she's thinking ahead on things like that. Yeah, which um, doesn't show up at a, in the movie at all, really. Yeah, I mean we have her introduced as this kind of strategic thing, like where he gets to the flag and she's speaking of which, like, how do you play capture the flag? <laughs> You don't just touch the flag and win, right? You get the flag back to your base and win. Um, Well, I mean, while we're criticizing the capture the flag scenes, we also don't have a, uh, you know, when you're playing the capture the flag, you don't have a battle royale where the hero of your team has to face off one-on-one against everybody else on the other team to get to the flag. Yeah. That doesn't happen either. Yeah. (laughs) But we have the moment where her character is kind of like introduced in the game. Where she drops in and it's just like, you didn't think it would be that easy. I'm the daughter of the goddess of strategy. And uh-huh. like, very, like, snooty. Uh-huh. I mean, she she is in the books. Like, she is very superior to Percy in the books, at least at first. Yeah. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So, that's accurate. All right. Um, one of my notes specifically was, when does Annabeth become a character? Um <laughs> Yeah. Because she gets introduced as just being, like, pretty in the background for a lot of the film. Yeah, pretty and and strong. uh Pretty and strong. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's all a woman needs to be, right? Um, (laughs) Sorry, anyway. Uh, uh, So I guess moving on from from Annabeth. (laughs) Sorry. And moving on from Annabeth briefly. Let's talk about Grover. (laughs) I wanted to save Grover for last because... Grover in this movie is a lot. Grover in this movie. <laughs> and like one one word horny. Yeah. Grover is super horny. <laughs> and I I'm sure that there's some in joke somewhere with somebody who was like, haha, let's make him really horny because he doesn't have his horns yet. Yeah. But <sighs> I mean, this is one of the parts that actually like I think they did a nod to some Greek mythology that the book oh, yeah. doesn't do because, yeah. like, satyrs are portrayed as very, uh... Very friendly. much followers of Dionysus. Very much, like, involved in, like, that yes. kind of lifestyle. Yes. So, yes. I feel like... I feel like they took the character of a satyr... Yeah. 
from Greek mythology and put it into the movie. Yes. Which I I don't disrespect. However, it's not Grover. Yes. As he's presented in the books as this awkward, like, failure, trying really hard to yeah. overcome his past failures and accomplish something and get better and be able to go do, like, he's got his own hopes and dreams and things that are not just, like... Wanting to be around beautiful women in the... Yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. So, yes, they they changed his character hugely from the books. But I do agree with you that it is a good representation of a Greek myth satyr. And that they put it in really well. Yeah. Um, and they, they implement it really well in the film. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm not mad at it from a like presentation of mythology standpoint. I am mad at it at a presentation of the character that we enjoyed from the book um, because it took away everything that made that character who he was. Yes. So. Uh, Yeah. So uh, those are the big three. Yeah. They ruined all of them effectively. Uh, He also never gets to talk to animals like. Yeah. All of the value that he brings to the book yeah. is changed for the film and it kind of undermines his character. But again, like He also the, doesn't care about anything or want anything other than like women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it really does kind of create in him a, like a a stereotype of a character that's kind of yucky. Uh-huh. So so that's fun. Uh, those are the big three. I mean, oh, there's all... the big three. <laughs> so we had Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's also various changes, though less obvious, to the other characters, like Brunner and slash Chiron is quite different. Yeah, he's, um, he doesn't care about Percy's character, like, or developing him into, like, at the end of the film... Yeah. When Brunner encounters Percy, he goes, you disobeyed me, and that's why I like you. Yeah. And that is 100% not Brunner, like, at all. Like, Brunner is trying to train Percy and protect Percy, and he Brunner sends him on the quest, uh-huh. like, offers him the quest, offers him all help that he possibly could. Yes. And, yeah, it's... Uh, we also remove Mr. D entirely, not a character yeah. in the film. Which I get, again, like... It's unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, while well, I'm just thinking about think, major things that we omitted from the books, uh, the entire Ares plotline. Yes. Like, okay, so this is, this is one of the things that I wanted to get into as we discuss major plot points that they dramatically changed. Yes. They dramatically changed the plot of this by removing any of the references to Kronos, anything about Tartarus, anything about... Aries, anything about the the betrayal of the gifts, like don't trust the gifts, like they removed all of these things and made it so that the big bad is just Luke. Yeah. And the prophecy. They took the out the prophecy, yeah. They took out all of the dreams, mm-hmm. which tie in heavily to those plot points of Kronos. Yeah. Like we don't have any evidence that Luke was being manipulated by Kronos. Mm-hmm. So none of that. Like it's all it's all completely different as far as the plot goes. Yes. The plot is 
somebody has decided, Zeus has decided that Percy stole his lightning bolt. Yeah. Which, I mean, is from the book. That's basically what Zeus does. And then everybody knows about it. Uh Uh-huh. And Hades shows up in the fire and says, at camp, and says, bring me the lightning bolt, and I'll give you your mother. Yeah. Which... I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, like, really found myself... Because they change Hades' character so much... Because, as we talked about in the book, why would Hades want a war? He's already overworked right now running Hades. He doesn't want more souls coming in. Like, he doesn't want to start a war. Yeah. And yet, in the movie, we represent him as a character who is chaotically wanting to get the lightning bolt and and steal his brother's power. Yes. And that's going to cause a war, and that's going to cause him more work and more headache. And so they they very much undermine the character of Hades as he's presented in the books. Yeah. They also, like, I think the biggest thing is they change the plot to make it make less sense. Yeah. Which- <laughs> yes. Okay, so yes, 100%. <laughs> Because the plot, the plot of the book was a stretch at some points, as is. But when they did translate it to the film, I do feel like it does make less sense. Like, I get the whole, like, Luke, daddy issues, I want to start a war with the gods and undermine them and we can replace them. Yes. And that's very Greek myth. That's very much, like, in line, again, like... I feel like this Percy Jackson story is a is a plot-wise good retelling of Greek myth. Yeah. And introduces things really well as far as, like, true to the source material of Greek mythology. Yeah. It's just not true to the source material of Percy Jackson. Yeah, very true. Uh, and the dialogue is also terrible. Yes, all the dialogue is terrible, especially any time any god is on screen. Like. Yeah. It's all wooden, but, like, I I knew we were in for a bad ride when, like, we had the first scene between Poseidon and Zeus. And, yeah. And Zeus is just like, Poseidon? Zeus? (laughs) Like, those are the first two words in the film. Yeah. (sighs) And we completely removed this concept of the power of names. Yes. We don't touch it. We talk about Zeus. We talk about the Furies. We talk about all of the gods call each other by name. Everyone talks about names in... All of the power of that is removed. Yeah. Uh, So I think, I mean, we could talk endlessly about all the stuff they removed and why they changed it. I think a big one for me was uh, the removal of the prophecy. Yeah. Because, again, circling back to making Percy not a character in this film, uh, the prophecy was like the gnawing sense of self-doubt that Percy had throughout the entire thing. Oh, yeah. Like, even if he did something well in the back of his head, he's got that voice being like, oh, somebody's going to betray you. You're going to lose everything. Yeah. And this was like all of his internal, like, conflict came from this prophecy that he heard. Yeah. And we remove that. Percy in the film doesn't doubt himself. Yeah. Ever. No, ever. Yeah. Ever. Doesn't have a single moment where he questions anything, doesn't have anything that he overcomes in a personal level other than, like, the vaguest sense of, like, not knowing his dad. Yeah. Like, that's kind of... Which, and that also, like, they introduced the character of Poseidon as being very defensive and loving of Percy. Which he's not. Which he's not. And he's, like, desperately caring for Percy. Yeah. And that's not... Yeah, like, 100% no, they they did that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they removed the whole... Uh, 
you know, agreement between Zeus and Poseidon not to have children. Yeah. The, like, they and they talk remove about all that. of that. They take everything away from, like, this was World War II, the big three all vowed not to. It's just Zeus made a rule. Yeah. Period. That none of the gods can have a relationship with their kids. Period. Yeah. And the way that it's described by Annabeth is none of the gods can have a, can have physical interaction with their kids. Yes. And then at the end of the film, we show Poseidon asking permission to talk to Percy from, like, he asks Zeus to even talk to Percy. Yes. So we never have this moment of, like, Percy deferring to his father over Zeus, the king of the gods. And we also have this exchange where Poseidon's like, I need to talk to him. Right after Athena talked to Annabeth. Yep. Like, Athena just looks at Annabeth and is like, hello, Annabeth, and, like, talks to her and has an interaction with her without any, like, repercussions from Zeus. And so I was like, okay, like, it makes sense. She said no physical contact. Like, Athena can still talk to her. Yeah. And they they mention that, like, the gods are talking to, uh, I can hear her voice in my head. I can hear his voice in my head. Like, that the kids can hear that. Mm-hmm. So there is verbal interaction somehow. There is an interaction happening. Yeah. Anyway, all of that to say, it's really frustrating to have it, like, even the plot points that they're putting into the movie that they've created, they're inconsistent with. Yes. Where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, Athena's allowed to talk to Annabeth, but Poseidon has to ask permission in the same scene to talk to Percy. Yeah, which is uh, one of my things that I put down, which is uh, we sure are cherry-picking this book, was one of my notes. And it really seems like somebody just sat down and read the first book drunk and then woke up the next morning and wrote down what they could remember from it. Yeah. And be like, all right, well, this this was a thing, right? Uh Uh-huh. And just, like, there's a scattering of plot elements from the book thrown in, but, like, so much of it was just completely fabricated. Yeah. like, but the it whole... was somebody who was very interested in Greek mythology and, and well-versed in it. Yeah. Because they, they kind of were like, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a satyr. And, of course, <laughs> satyrs are really horny. Um, so, yeah. the, obviously, that's what his character was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the whole Pearl thing. Oh, yeah. Say so they dramatically changed the Pearl thing, too. Yeah. So, in, in the book, there is interactions that Percy has with other beings yes that are within this world this mythological weaving together of the greek myths with with modern uh, america uh-huh. percy has interactions with beings both on the on the malicious and the benevolent sides of things uh-huh. and so his interaction with a benevolent being would gifting him these pearls mm-hmm. is just Oh, here, like, here, here is a gift that you're going to need to use. Now, we don't have any description in the book of what the pearls are, how they work, what, what they're for, what they're from. We just get gifted three pearls. Yeah. And in the film, they took that and they said, hey, these, there are pearls out there, Persephone's pit pearls that she has out and about yeah. for her lovers to escape Hades when they sneak into Hades. Yeah. And so it gives us a reason for them to venture across the country and have these multiple stops where they encounter and overcome obstacles. And it's not just like, oh, well, we stumbled into these problems. Like, yeah. we 
we were just on our way and we got hungry and we stopped and oh, it was Medusa's house. Oops. And it's not like, oh, we just got off the train and we had an hour. So we just decided to wander around St. Louis and oops, there was a chimera. Yeah. Like, so it makes a lot more sense to have these conflict moments and things that were actually defended and goals to acquire and achieve. Yes. Like, Makes so much more sense. Yeah. Now, why is one of these pearls in a roulette table in Vegas? Like, that's a great question. <laughs> love, love an answer for that. But there is, from from a from a movie film plot storyline for this kind of book that is an island hopping adventure. Yes. They gave it a reason to happen, and I am not mad at that at all. Yeah, I mean, that was one of my criticisms from the book, uh, which, man, this isn't the book review episode, but that's one of my major uh, negative takeaways from it, was all of their conflicts that they entered into, for the most part, were just random. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we're going to stumble into Medusa's Statue Garden, we're going to stumble into the St. Louis Arch, we're going to stumble into Krusty's Master Shop. It just, like, they just happened upon these places in a very contrived kind of way. So, yeah, I agree with you. That giving them actual reason to go to these places in the movie is good. Now, why? Since since they went to Medusa's shop, they had that whole thing happen. Why they couldn't also just do the pearls in the St. Louis Arch for some reason? Why they couldn't just go to Krusty's shop in L.A.? Like the the things from the book were already there. Yeah. Like the reasons, like the locations were there. They could have kept all the same locations and introduced the pearl thing. Whatever. Uh. But for some reason, we had to go to Nashville, and that was my that was I think the weirdest choice in the movie was we just invented a instead plot of point. going to St. Louis and ending yeah. up in the Arch, we went to the Parthenon in Nashville for no reason, and I don't understand why they did this. It's like and cool. changed it from being the Chimera at that point, yeah, to being the Hydra, a Hydra, yeah. It's like, sure, Hydra is a classical Greek monster, whatever, Hercules fought one, but we already had a cool monster. We had the Chimera. We had the St. Louis Arch. Like, it's just a nonsensical choice that doesn't do anything for the film. Yeah. Sure, the the fight sequence in the Parthenon in Nashville wasn't terrible, other than the fact that, uh, for some reason... Percy forgot that Hydras regrow their heads. Like, that's something Percy would have known. Yes. Uh, well, in the movie, he also has, like, zero knowledge of Greek mythology, which he does in the book. Like, he, he ha- demonstrates that he actually paid attention in Brunner's class throughout the book several times. Yes. But we also show that there are gaps in his knowledge, too, in the book. Yeah. Um, so, sure, the fight sequence in the Parthenon in Nashville was fine. Uh, I mean, except Annabeth has a crossbow with magical sleeping darts for some reason. Yes. And... And doesn't communicate that, and, like, Grover and Percy 100% think that she just, like, killed four people. Yeah. Uh, doesn't have the invisibility cap. Yeah, we removed that that's, entirely. That's kind of a big deal that, like, defines her character that, like, again, I can see a couple things in the movie, and, uh, like, I can see the reasoning why they changed a couple of plot points. Most of it... Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because if, it... if they had left things like that, if they had left reason to doubt Annabeth's loyalty and and to consider that maybe Annabeth was the lightning thief, then like <laughs> we could have actually had some complex character interactions and developments between them instead of just being like, hey, I'm going to go help you. Yeah. 
I mean, that circles back to the whole betrayal prophecy, and that's why that's important, because, like, the entire time Percy's wondering who's going to betray him. Yeah. And we just don't have that, because, like, we all, we know immediately that it's Luke in the movie. I mean, we knew that in the book, too. Yeah. We suspected it in the book, but it's even more obvious in the film, because we meet him and we're just like, well, yeah, obviously, this, this dude's stolen a bunch of stuff. He's admitted to stealing a bunch of stuff already. Yeah. I wonder who the thief could be. Possibly. <laughs> Here's my dad's shoes I stole from his it, it, house. Yes. Like, I stole from a god. I'll tell you that I stole from a god. Yeah, it, that's... I feel like that's so obvious it's not even foreshadowing. It's yeah. just like, what do you what do you call that level of obvious foreshadowing? Like, uh... Yeah. Uh, telegraphing? That's telegraphing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a whole thing. Um, yeah, I mean, Luke's character isn't terribly different other than the fact that they completely removed the fact that uh, Annabeth was attracted to him the entire time. There there is no tension between them whatsoever, which is another thing going back to removing all the aspects of Percy's character is that Percy has a lot of jealousy toward Luke because Annabeth's all over him in the book, but that would be something that makes Percy uncool. So we can't have that in the movie. Yeah. Like we can't have him be unsure of himself about anything whatsoever. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, it's true, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, just looking at the rest of my notes here. <laughs> so we talked about a bunch of big changes. Uh, should we get into what happens in Hades? Because that entire sequence is vastly different as well. Yeah, it is. Um, again... I understand how they resolve it from a mythology standpoint, and I'm I'm not hugely disappointed with the fact that they did, because I feel like it does honor some of the mythology more. Yeah. But. And here we've added a character who isn't in the book. We, well, she's mentioned yeah. in the book, um, but it's very specifically mentioned that when they go to Hades, Persephone is not there. Yes. Um. And so they show Persephone's, like, statuary garden, her her trees. What yeah. is the fruit specifically? Pomegranates. The pomegranates? Yeah. Um, and all, like, her garden in Hades. Yeah. But including her in the film, they, they more heavily, they and they more heavily included her with the pearls as Persephone's pearls and things like that. Like, having this introduced as, like, she is their way out from the very beginning. Yeah is using her pearls will get will get them out to begin with. Yeah. And so when they get there and she's there, she's still going to be their way out. Yeah. Um but yeah, what do you think about them adding that in? Um It's fine. I mean, I guess it works. Again, it's nonsensical and removes a crucial interaction between Percy and his dad because like in the books, obviously, well, Poseidon doesn't directly give him the pearls, but a messenger from Poseidon is just like, hey, your dad actually wants you to have something. Like, he wants you to get out of this alive. That's Percy's first real inclination that, you know, maybe Poseidon cares what happens to him. Yeah. It's because he sends this naiad to give him a way out. Yeah. So, removing that, like, removes a, a big moment of character development in their relationship. Yeah. But yeah, Persephone's down there. She's a thing who, you know, betrays Hades. And that's why he can't get the bolt, even though he never wants the bolt in the first place. So, like, 
And I, I'm really frustrated that they removed the Kronos thing entirely. Yeah, because, because it doesn't make sense. Like, why did Hades take the bolt? Like, because... <sighs> Does he, he give a reason? He didn't ask for it. He, yeah. He takes it, and then not on, only that, he also, like, betrays the agreement. Yeah. And, like, he agrees to give the mother her freedom in exchange for the bolt. Yes. Like... Yeah, I don't know. They. We also go to Hades and we completely remove Cerberus. Yeah, we what? did. We replaced him with Hellhounds, which Hellhounds were in the in the book. Yes, but they were in the camp. One got summoned to the camp. Yeah, but yeah, we took away Cerberus and yeah. Annabeth actually having some kind of history. Yeah, with dogs and animals. Like, I mean, besides the fact that we took away the poodle. Yeah, like we also took away Cerberus. Yeah, it's like. And and that's also a weird choice because like it's one of the like most iconic things about like the myth of Hades. It's just like if you ask a random person, what do you know about Hades in Greek mythology? You get maybe like River Styx, Charon, Cerberus. Yeah, those are like those big, are the big defining, three. yeah, <laughs> big defining fi- features of of what Hades is all about. Yeah. So the uh, decision to remove Cerberus was uh, kind of fascinating. And I think in a meta kind of way, and I was thinking this while I was watching it, because I was just like, I wonder if they didn't do it because they drafted uh, this scene and it was just way too similar to uh, uh, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and the and Cerberus being in that. Yeah. And I was just like... Fluffy. Yeah. Maybe maybe they just were just like, no, we're, we're going to get too close to this scene and we don't want to do it. Yeah. Which I get. And I also get that being the replacement <sighs> reason for the Chimera. Yeah. Not being like the, the Chamber of Secrets and the Basilisk. Yeah. But then, yeah, changing it to be things that are specific to Greek mythology, like the Hydra and things like that, which I mean... I get that. I do get that. Yeah. I I don't like the fact that it feels like they very specifically picked things to remove that developed the other characters. Yeah. Like, they decided to remove Grover being able to smell monsters nearby. Yeah. They, they removed Annabeth having a history with dogs and being able to do something that's not just fighting and smarts, but involves, like something from her past being helpful and useful now. Yeah. Like, and they're very specifically things that are removed from a character development standpoint. Yeah. And I, and I'm, you know, if you're, if you're going to remove a specific plot point, like at least keep the characters having some kind of value and interest, you know, like replace it with something else. Yeah. Like, but they don't, they don't ever have the only, the only character development that they give to, uh, to Annabeth and Percy and them is is the same one that they give to every kid at the camp by being like they all have issues with one of their parents. Yeah. Because their they their godparent has never been around. Yeah. They're not unique at all. Um and while we're in Hades, I guess let's talk about the uh climactic scene where we're trying to get Percy's mom out and we only have three pearls. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> that. Uh-huh. Would you like to tell us about that scene, Kristen? Again, it in the book, they only have the three pearls, and they have to leave his mother. Yeah, and that is huge because it's the it's the time where, again, this dreaded prophecy, this this oracle's message, is 
is fulfilled, you'll you'll fail to save what matters most in the end. Like he's dreading this. He's he's got this hanging over him the whole time that his quest is going to fail. Yeah. And then it does and he doesn't get his mother and they have to leave her there and they they have to go try to save the world at at this heavy cost to Percy personally. Yeah. Of his mother. Yeah. And it's huge because it's the culmination of his character development. Mm-hmm. And it and it is it is the full resolve of the climax of his hero's journey. Yeah. Where he has to make this decision to leave his mother. And also a crucial bonding moment between the big three. Like when Grover and Annabeth are both offering to sacrifice themselves. Yes. So that he can get his mom out. Yeah. And then in the film, we have this resolve with Grover. And again, we don't ever address the Grover doesn't have a soul moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Grover is just like, no, I'll stay. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally. be a visitor of Lady Persephone. Yeah, totally fine down here, guys. Don't we're, worry about me. Yeah, we're good. Go. You guys go. <laughs> I'm a protector. Uh-huh. And again, they've established like... Grover's character as being like a super horny character throughout the whole thing and so it's like this is this is a an ending for his character that makes sense yeah within the way that they presented his character in the film but it's not Grover and it's not and it takes so much away from Percy's character development yeah and I mean like it's funny, like they, they they write it in an effective way. Yeah. But I found it super interesting that they the thing that I had such a like question and, and quandary with on the premeditated self defense uh-huh. of of Sally Jackson and, and 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 turning Gabe to stone. Yeah. You know, whether I'm like, mm, well, it was premeditated to hurt him, but, you know, like, it was self-defense because he was abusive. Like, yeah. where do we... They take that whole moral quandary away, yeah. but instead they replace it with the moral quandary of Grover being like, no, I'll, I'll stay with Persephone. You guys go. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll self-sacrifice to stay with Lady Persephone and be one of her visitors. Uh-huh. And she is, you know, I've never had a satyr visit. <laughs> like, and it's creepy because at no point in the film do we address even, like, possibly what age Grover is. Yeah. We don't talk about the fact that he's older. He can be in a high school, so. Yeah, like, he can, like. He is at the most 18. Yeah, in the <laughs> in the film, he is presented as, like, somebody who can pass for a high schooler. Yeah. And is not presented as somebody who is double the age and is playing the role of a younger person because, but his body matures slower over, but, like. Yeah. It's not presented at all in that way. Yeah. To be, like. By the way, he might not be an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old deciding to stay with Lady Persephone in Hades. Yeah. Like, there's question about that in the way that the film presents it. Like, they don't address the fact that he is an adult. Yeah. And capable of consenting. Uh Like, 
they make it extra creepy by not addressing that. Yeah. It is a little weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, other than the fact that, uh, they completely butchered and removed any opportunity for character development for anybody, great movie, uh, (laughs) it's like we really don't have any real, like, bonding moments between Grover and Annabeth and Percy other than the fact that, oh, hey, they did this quest together, they don't have any any of the conversations, they don't have, uh, any of the challenges. Yeah. Like, the whole pivotal scene with Percy and Annabeth that happens in the water park and them, like, going through that together and being trapped. And, like, none of this happens. And so we don't have a reason for any of these characters to care about each other at all. Like, yeah. Anna, uh, like Annabeth just kind of joins in because she wants to get out of the camp. Uh, Grover is along with Percy because it's his job. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even portrayed as particularly good friends. I think they like, are. They, they are. Yeah. yeah. Like... Grover comes into his home and knows Sally. Like, he's he's portrayed it as okay. a friend in that way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we don't do anything interesting at all. We don't do anything interesting at all with their growth as characters. Yeah. We also reduce the stakes a lot of things like Percy being called a fugitive. Yeah. And stuff like that. Like, where we have that come up one time instead of it being a recurring thing throughout the film that is increasing the stakes in any way. Yeah. And, like, they're not on the run. We don't have the showdown with the cops. and Because, obviously, we took out the whole Ares thing. Yep. Um, and we have the pearls allow them to just appear back in New York at the entrance to Olympus. Yeah. We have... Sally being like, hey, here's how you get into Olympus. Like, how does she know which switches to throw in that breaker box in order to open the door? And also, like, how do any of the gods not know what's happening right outside the door when Luke shows up? Yeah, let's talk about Luke showing up. I'm the lightning thief. (laughs) Uh, Kristen wanted to die in that exact moment. (laughs) (sighs) I think specifically what happened is she uh, turned into a little slug and wanted salt sprinkled on her. Yes, that's, because that it would is be less painful than continuing to watch the movie. I did kind of <laughs> curl up in the ca- on the couch into the like fetal position, was just like that was so painful. I think I just turned into a slug. Just sprinkle salt on me now and end it. Um, I'm the lightning thief. <laughs> This is an this is an actual line from the movie. If it you is, seen and it. it's the delivery too, where it's not just like I'm the lightning thief and I'm taking pride in the fact that I did this because I'm a thief. Like it's an well, duh, I'm the lightning thief. Like you know, it's why are you here? I'm the lightning thief. Duh, where else would I be? You know, like it's. And then we have this whole ridiculous epic fight between Luke and Percy, which obviously does not happen in the books yes, at all. Yes, and they're both flying, and we never address the fact that Percy shouldn't be in the air. We never address Zeus's power yeah. over the air. We never address, like, the airplane thing. We never address any kind of complications of travel because they just have money. They steal two different cars. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they just... What? Like... <laughs> Like, they take the bus to Auntie M's, and then they steal the truck that they use to run into into the shop. Yeah. And they steal the car in Vegas. Like... Yeah. 
How are they not getting chased down in Nashville by the police with a stolen vehicle? Yeah. I mean, we also take out Percy being antagonistic toward the gods at all. Like, he doesn't send them Medusa's head. Yeah. And we uh, carry Medusa's head, and it becomes a weapon that's used in self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't have him, like mouthing off to his dad the first time they meet we don't have him being impertinent to zeus or hades like yeah the whole conflict that he has with the gods throughout the whole book gone yeah uh yeah yeah big fight scene i guess it was it was okay it was kind of dumb uh seemed like a marvel movie It's like, let's both fly around the city, and I'm going to throw you through a building that's under construction, and, you know, cool. And then we're going to land in a scene from Daredevil. Yeah. (laughs) And apparently both of us can use Zeus's lightning bolt. That's just, like, a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently any of us can just wield it. Nobody needs to attune to this magic item. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Uh, Yep. Uh... Percy gets the lightning bolt back, goes and uh, gives it to Zeus. With, That's the thing they kept. With no time to spare. Yeah, no time to spare because the clock was uh, one minute from midnight, Ermagerd tension. Uh, and we have Sally being allowed into the elevator, but not off the elevator. Yeah. Like, when that when she got into the elevator, both of us were like, oh, so she can go to Olympus, but she can't go to the camp? Nope. And then she gets stopped at the elevator door, like... Once they're already at Olympus. Yeah. Like, the door opens, she can't get out of the elevator. It's like, like no, you're allowed to see Olympus. Like, you can look yeah. at it. It's yeah. back there. This is not- <laughs> We also remove everything with Zeus's daughter in yep. the tree and and Grover's backstory and all of these things. Like- yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. A lot of stuff I think We also out. remove everything about Hades having any kind of respect for Percy in the end because it's like the fact that Percy leaves and yeah. and gives the helmet back cuz the helmet was stolen as well. Yeah. Or the, you know, which doesn't that that plot point doesn't exist in the movie. Yeah. So we have no con- we have no reason for Hades and Percy to have conflict whatsoever. Yeah. It's <laughs> It's, uh, it's it's the plot things that they removed that actually would have helped make the movie better that I'm upset that I'm more like upset about because yeah. if there are certain plot things that if they had just left them in from the book, yeah, would have made that film better. Yep, objectively, yes, would have made more sense. Would have been coherent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I'm I'm fine with them removing a lot of the stuff that they remove or changing the stuff that they removed, changing the stuff that they changed, but. There are certain plot things that if they had just left them in, the film would have been so much better. Yes. Character development. We would have had, like, an explanation for things. We would have, you know, like... Would have been so easy. It would have been so easy to make the big bad not Luke. Yep. Because <laughs> that's not who the big bad is. Yeah. I mean, effectively, like, within the confines of the first book, it is, though, because, like, we vaguely hear from Kronos, but we have no direct interaction with Kronos ever for any reason. So, like, effectively, Luke is the big bad in the first book. Except that he's a cat's paw. He's a puppet. He's being used by the big bad. And that's, like, they wanted to make it a self-contained movie. Like, and it makes it feel like they 
they just kind of approached it as we're never going to get the budget to make the rest of these movies. Yeah. They made one more. They yeah. the, they did do the next one and that was it. Yes, but so. like doing the first book to film adaptation and not having like a resolve at the end. Yeah. It's like it's like as if you wrote Harry Potter book 1 and didn't put Voldemort into it at all in the film version. Uh-huh. Because what if we don't get the money to do book 2 through 7? Yeah. Like, well, we need to have a, a coherent story that's a one story, one movie arc that ends with a happy ending. Yeah. Like that's that's what I feel like they did where they were just like, "Yeah, we can do book 1." Yeah. We're never going to get approval to do book 2 or three or four and we're never going to resolve the chrono storyline if we introduce it now yeah like i mean at least we didn't go with the full romance arc between uh percy and annabeth yeah <laughs> you uh you, you were happy they didn't kiss in the end yeah I was, I was <laughs> like, are you really gonna kiss are you really gonna kiss are they really okay good uh and at the end we also take away his internal conflict about staying at camp versus going home yeah that never comes up they never have the whole dramatic, like, everybody's leaving camp scene. Yeah, they have, no, they don't have the goodbye at all. Yeah. No goodbye until next year. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we've hit all of my major issues with it and major plot points and major changes. Uh, I have a couple other things. Uh, I put down Apple product placement, which was very obvious. <laughs> yeah. Because they had several shots of Percy having an iPod. They had a very... Uh, centrally framed shot of a MacBook, like yeah. Obviously, Apple threw some money at this movie. Um, I put down the gang does edibles. Uh, <laughs> they do. They have the lotus flowers, <laughs> which was a change from the book to the film. Which was an, uh, another one of the few changes that was more lore accurate in terms of the greater mythology, because what that re- is referencing is the island of the Lotus Eaters and the Odyssey. And that's kind of what they do. Like, they go to an island where everybody is just laying around eating lotus flowers all day and yeah. getting high off it and never wanting to leave. I mean, I so feel that like that's more... how it's presented in the book. Except they except they, they don't ever have the lotus flower thing. Like, it's called the Lotus Hotel, and, like, they have all the games and they have the unlimited money. Yeah. But, like, the actual, like, drug aspect of it gets taken out of the book entirely. Okay. Kind of for, I guess, for obvious reasons, because it's aimed at kind of middle schoolers. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, including drug use is questionable. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, I, I missed one thing. Uh, I mean, this is going back to the very beginning of the movie and isn't a big deal, but I, t- I put down Camp Half-Blood is way too populated. Yeah. It's like, there were so many people there. There's a lot of people there. I get it. Like, I, I think they did it well. Everyone just walking around in leather armor, though. Yeah. Instead of being, like, in their bright orange Camp Half-Blood shirts. Yeah. That they're presented as. And we don't do the cabins. Like, we don't talk about the cabins at all. We just say, this place was built for you by your dad. Yeah. Which and it's it not even a cabin. It's, it's like, it's a roof on yeah. the water, on yeah. a dock. Um, but we have, we never talk about the, like... The steel and the silver or whatever, whatever the blades are made out of. We never talk about like the the difference between fighting each other and hurting each other and, and hurting mortals and stuff like that. Like yeah. we never address any of that. Correct. We also have like the infirmary presented yeah. 
as this place where everybody's like constantly getting hurt and being attended to. Yeah. Which is something I would expect. Yes. In the way, like with the way that they present stuff. But because the camp in the book seems so much smaller because it's like Chiron just heals everybody when they need healing. Yeah. Like they get taken to the big house and put in one of the rooms in the big house and they get, they recover and then they're back. Yeah. Like, and it's not like, 80 people getting hurt at a time in a war zone. Well, that's a major lore element from the book, is it like, most kids who are, like, demigods just don't make it to the camp. Yeah. Like, if they're if they're either not important enough, or they just get killed. And so, like... And I, they, I don't... I think any of the ones with major powers, yes. Yeah. The rest of the kids are just there to learn more about... Like, that don't have, like, the powers and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'd, I'd have to run the numbers, but I think book-wise it presents it as, like, in the entire camp there's 50 kids, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Because, like, we only have, like... Hermes is the most populated house, but there's only, like, four Hephaestus kids. There's, like, a couple Dionysus kids. There's, there's like, a bunch of Ares kids. Yeah, there's, like, ten from Aphrodite. Like, it's just really... There's not a lot there. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, and if you talk about the age range of people that are at camp and, yeah. like, how much the gods are getting around, like, half of which are, are female gods who would have to carry a child, like... Yeah. Just... Maybe maybe gods can carry a full-term pregnancy in two weeks. Who knows? <laughs> that's just... That's, that's god power for you. Yeah. It, ju- it does feel like there's too many people there. Yeah. Uh, but that was it. Those are all the notes I had. I think we touched on everything. Do we? Did we cover everything that you wanted to get into? There's no claiming scene, and it takes something away from being Percy just being told that he's Poseidon's son. Yeah. To to the question of who he is, to the question of what he might be, to the to the claiming. That's it. Kickstarts the plot. Yes, because everybody knows he's Poseidon's kid as soon as he enters the camp. Yeah, like that's just a thing that people know. Yeah. And Poseidon is presented as this very protective father figure. Yeah. I had a few quotes from the movie that I wrote down. <laughs> okay. I'm, Did you? No. Okay. I'm the lightning thief. I'm the lightning <laughs> that was, thief. That was the most memorable one for me. We had we had Percy say, I'm not a hero, I'm a loser. Like, really early on in the film. And it was like, you're way too cool for that. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um. We have Percy being told at the very beginning, and I think it's by Chiron, someone is using you to start a war. Yeah. Like, and that's delivered very early on. Yeah. And it's like, if if Chiron can see that, uh-huh. why can't anybody in the gods see that? Like, yeah. why can't Athena see that? Like, as a god of strategy, why hasn't she figured out? Why hasn't Ares figured out if he's not involved in it, if he can just, like... Um, we do have a moment, and I'm just gonna shout this out. Uh huh. After Percy cuts off Medusa's head, yep, he cleans his sword. <laughs> yes, I remember you specifically writing that down. Yep, that it was a very quick, subtle scene, but you were just like, "Yes, yeah." Sally is referred to as Sally Agliano in the news report, and that bothered me. Yep. Uh. We had the burning money during a recession joke, which I laughed really hard at. Uh-huh. Um, we have them get to the gate of Hades. 
see some Greek written on as graffiti on the Hollywood sign because the entrance is in the Hollywood sign. Yeah. The H of the Hollywood sign, you know, Hades. Yeah. Um, and they read this Greek out loud and it opens the door and yeah. it reminded me of like speak friend and enter, you know, melon, you know, like we had woe to all depraved souls uh-huh. is like the magic words to open the door to hell. Yeah. Um, I'm the lightning thief. <laughs> um, we have Percy demand of Luke. Why do you want a war of the gods? And it's just kind of like, okay, that that was weird. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. He does like it's it, his reasoning is because they're jerks. Yeah, like pretty much. Uh, they yeah they've been around for thousands of years. Like we're gonna defeat them. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm gonna single handedly bring down the gods. Yep. Um, they've been at war with each other many times and not managed to kill each other off. Like, uh, maybe this time they'll, they'll succeed. Yep. Um, we have Percy say, yeah, I think I'm the son of Poseidon near the end of the book. Like, that was kind of weird. Or film. Yeah. Uh. I'm the son of Poseidon. Yeah. <laughs> we have Percy say, I wish I had seen you just once to his father. When on screen, we have that happen. Yeah. He turns around, sees his dad across the street at the museum. Yeah. And then he disappears behind the bus. And, like, we don't have Poseidon say, I was there watching you. Like, or, I, you know, like, yeah. we don't have that addressed at all. Correct. Yeah, and then my final note is just this movie is annoyingly dumb. <laughs> that's my that's the last thing I wrote on my on my four pages of notes from the film. All right, is that your official review? Yeah. Cool. Should I uh, should I give an official review to uh, wrap us up here? Where are the fates? Yeah. You know, all uh, of that. I mean, you know, we, we took all the foreboding and ominousness away. Yeah. In that film. There it, were no stakes. There's no... The, the stakes are Percy gets his mom back. Yeah. There might be a war of the gods. like, But none of it feels personal. And yeah. none of it feels like it actually affects the main characters in any way. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we've, we've pretty thoroughly uh, dissected it. and We uh, also put the Lotus Eaters into this position of being malevolent and malicious. Yeah. As opposed to just, like... Being like, sad to see you go. Bye, guys. Yeah. Like. Uh. Yeah. I mean, we've done a pretty solid job eviscerating this whole movie and talking about <laughs> why it's terrible. Like it. Like I mean, that's if I was going to get a, a like if I was going to give a review. I mean, basically, this entire thing was a review. Uh, but like I said in the beginning, I think you can't argue that it's not an objectively bad film. Nobody can watch that and be like, oh yeah, that's a good movie. It's not. Nothing's done well. Yeah. The redeeming qualities of it, I would say, yeah. They made the whole Pearl thing. Uh, that plot point made more sense in the book. There were a few funny scenes. Like, there's a few, like, comic relief moments that actually landed. Yeah. Uh, I like Grover getting his hooves painted. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, like, there's a couple funny scenes like that. And I'm just like, all right, somebody had a clever idea. Uh, but other than that, they removed they removed the entire soul of the book. Like, everything that made the book good 
everything that made the characters good, all the interpersonal conflict, all the character growth is just gone. Yeah. And, like... And then it didn't make it pretty. Like, half the time the effects are garbage. Uh, it's 2010. Like, yes, but, like, the Harry Potter movies that came out before that had better visuals than, like, that movie. And obviously, Harry Potter, they poured all the money in the world into it. Yeah. That said, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the second book. Yeah. The second film. Yeah. Uh, that one had a $100 million budget. Yes. This movie had a $95 million budget. <laughs> so there's really no reason for it to look as garbage as it did. Yeah. Like, especially every single scene with, like, the gods being bigger than life. Yes. Like, it, it, it looks so bad. <sighs> yeah. I mean, like, the Sorcerer's Stone had a bigger budget. It had a $125 million budget, the first one. Yeah. But the second one... Chamber of Secrets had a $100 million budget. This had a $95 million budget. Like, yes, $5 million is a, is a difference. But, like, when you think about the first Harry Potter movie to the second Harry Potter movie being a difference of $25 million. Yeah. Like, the difference between Chamber of Secrets and this film. Like, the other question is, how many big-name actors were in Harry Potter? Yeah. Like, Alan Rickman. You know, like... Yeah, like, they got, I mean... I agree with you that I think they spent their whole budget getting a, a big-name Starlight supporting cast. Like, I mean, we say that now. But it's like, here, and you're making me look up the cast of this movie again. Like, we did say that, like, coming from a 2023 perspective. But really, we have... Um, Steve Coogan, who played Hades, he's done a lot of indie films. Uh, we had Alexander Daddario, who in 2010, nobody knew who she was. She hadn't really done anything big at that point. Um, Sean Bean, sure. Sean Bean was a big deal. Pierce Brosnan was a big deal. Rosario Dawson, like, also hadn't had any major roles that early on, I think. Yeah, and this is, this is Uma Thurman, like, six years after the second Kill Bill movie, like, we had the Kill Bill movies and stuff like that for Uma Thurman, though. Yeah. Like, do you think that some, like, do you think I'm giving too much credit to these actors because they got bigger after this film? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Right. It's like, I think at the time, a lot of them, like, I mean, yeah, obviously we had Sean Bean, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I mean, Pierce Brosnan Thurman. had already been doing 007 movies. Yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I think Die Another Day, I think, was his last one as, as, and that one came out in 2002, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with your point about, like, Harry Potter obviously having a, a lot fewer big names in it. Uh, I mean, I think the main cast was, was kind of a, it's easy to compare the main cast because, like, all the kids in Harry Potter were obviously unknowns at the time. And yeah. So were the big three and Percy Jackson. Uh, I'm curious now as to how much money this movie actually made. <laughs> the main character, though, Logan, um, he was in a few different names with, or a few different films with big name people. Like, he was in The Patriot. Um, I'm pretty sure he was the main character's son in The Patriot. I'll have to double check on that. Yeah. He was in Riding with Car in Cars with Boys with like Drew Barrymore. Like he was in 
310 to Yuma with Russell Crowe okay. uh, and Christian Bale. Like, he's he was in movies with some big-name people before Percy Jackson. Like, was he a star in those? No, but, like... He played with Gerard Butler. He played with Renee Zellweger. He played. He was in the the number twenty three, which was uh, uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah. In his IMDb, in the ten years before he was in this film, he played with Aaron Eckhart. Like he played with Jessica okay. Alba. Like right. he's he was in films that had big names associated with them. Okay. Was he a big name? No. Is he a big name now? No. Yeah. Like. That was a thing. Did uh, he ever break out? No, but he has a very star-studded cast list that he's worked with yeah. coming up to this film. That's a thing. Uh, according to the Wikipedia, now they're just sharing random factoids, uh, $95 million budget, as we established. It actually did make about $230 million worldwide. So, yeah. made a profit. Yeah. People saw the thing. In the criticism section, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to point out these two lines, which seem uh, kind of contradictory. Rick Riordan, uh, the author of the book series, has mentioned in numerous interviews that he has never seen the movies to keep them from influencing the way his view- he views the characters. Then the next line right after that is, During March 2016, Riordan wrote a letter asking teachers not to show the movie to students during class time. Interesting. <laughs> so, so he's never, he's, he didn't watch them and he didn't want people to show them. Yes. Interesting. Uh, and apparently sent a number of emails to the film's producers expressing concern over the way they were uh, butchering the, the story. Interesting. So okay. he, he is not a fan. Okay. Neither are we. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> so I guess that's a good note to end on. Uh, yep. <laughs> the author's not a fan, neither are we. Cool. <laughs> there you go. And that is our summary. Yep. All right. How do we, how do we close out a uh, movie review? movie review podcast How do i do don't that? know well uh thank you so much for joining us today <laughs> as we discussed the percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief the movie join us next time as we discuss our book wrap-up of the percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief book one of the series full it'll, book review it'll be coming it will it will come out yeah we promise it's uh it's on the way life life has stabilized a little more here so i think we're i think we're at a point where we can get back on the uh yeah. On the schedule. I'm excited to get into Sea of Monsters. So Me too. To... I'm really excited to start the next book. Yeah. I'm not excited to watch the next movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. We're good. Cool. Any, uh, any parting uh, links to our social media? or Until next time, you can interact with us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of a Hydra fighting a Chimera. <laughs> at chronically podcast uh, at gmail.com you can also support us on patreon at patreon.com slash chronically podcast if you're cool like that and until next time make sure your flying shoes are tied on tight and whenever you show up to a new scene just loudly announce your role in the story I'm the lightning <laughs> I'm the podcast host <laughs> Gosh, I said open with that one. <laughs> I'm the podcast host. I'm the podcast host. <laughs> and always clean your sword. Yep. I think we're done. Bye. Bye.
but I mean Percy is obviously the titular, titular, titular. Percy is the titular character. So. But, but, you know, changing it to be, but then, but then, yeah, changing it to. Be, uh, Headstrong, I'll take you on. Because by and large, and we'll sorry, I clicked a pen. Both on the malicious and on the what's the opposite of malicious? Benevolent. Like, I mean, we say that now, but it's in like inherent. And you're making me look up the cast of this movie again. So we have Percy Jackson. You can edit the uh, searching out. Yeah, please. Um. Like, he never has any doubt about it. He's. Guess we're gonna pause for that. <laughs> that's a that's a new one. It's a new interruption. That is the pump in the new aquarium. We're excited about that. Very excited. So. So. I really do enjoy the the reflection of the water on the ceiling. Yeah. That's really That's fun. Cool. A little wavy action. Yeah. It's a good time. Indeed. I think it's pretty just empty. <laughs> it is really pretty even just empty. Yeah. I'm excited to put snails in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited to put snails. I feel like you're more excited about the snails than anything else. I like, might be. Yeah. Like, you you might not be wrong. Like coral, whatever, really cool fish, fine, but yeah. snails. Snails. So, so into snails. Yeah. 